When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Adam Carriker Show on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back, everybody. Adam Carriker on The Ticket. Just a reminder, I forgot to mention this off the top of the show. The show is every Monday, noon to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Grab some food, grab your lunch, and come have lunch with me every Monday. All right, real quick, shout out. GE Landscape and Supply. Check them out at gelandscapeandsupply.com. Also, more info at 402-467-1627. Now, I got a comment. I'm not going to disagree with the comment. I kind of alluded to it. Okay, I was trying to... The spring game is the most over-scrutinized and over-analyzed practice of the year. It's also the most exciting practice of the year. But I try to take everything with a grain of salt that I see in a spring game. But, got a comment. Mr. Rod Redeker says, sorry, Adam, but outside the quarterback scrambles, the, the run blocking was just like the past years under Frost. Lousy with an exclamation point. All right. So I was kind of alluding to it. Yes, I would like to see it be better. There was not a lot of holes for the running back as much as you would like to see whoever the running back was. We have some talented backs. I love, and I know Rule does too, what Sims can do with his legs. It's going to be interesting to see who wins that quarterback battle when it's Casey Thompson and Jeff Sims in fall a camp. Yes, we need to see more holes. We need to see bigger holes. That goes both ways when you're playing yourself, though. Did the defensive line play really well? Okay. Did the offensive line play really bad? Is it a combo of both? You never really know when it's your 15th practice as a team uh, together as a team ever under Matt Rule. So it's hard, and it is only your 12th practice with pads on because you have to have three non-padded practices out of the 15 that you get in spring. So it's a little challenging when you're playing yourself to truly gauge it. So I was alluding to that while trying to take everything I see like I normally do in a spring game with a grain of salt. All right. But I wanted to address that comment. So the next thing in my notes as we go along, all right, three lost fumbles in the first half. Okay. Four total. And by the end of the game, I think if I round down here, there was about 84 fumbles. I'm joking and it's a bad joke and I apologize and I take it back. Obviously, early on, ball security, you've got – in their defense, you've got quarterbacks taking snaps from different centers than they're used to in practice, sometimes handing the ball off to different running backs. A center that you might be used to working with, if you're a red quarterback, so to speak, might be on the white team. Or maybe you're used to handing the ball off to Gabe Irvin, you turn around, it's Anthony Grant. And so you don't quite have that synergy, which I'm not making excuses, but it's things the kids deal with in the spring. That being said, got to get better. Got to tidy that up a lot, not even a smidge, a lot. Now, I made a note here. With 7-10 left in the first half, I, I just wrote, have we even punted yet? The offense is clearly outplaying the defense. And this was alluding more to the white offense outplaying the red defense at that point. And frankly, the red defense, I'm sorry, the red offense was kind of getting their booties kicked a little bit by the white defense, but that's because the red offense kept putting the ball on the ground. Uh, most of those fumbles were due to the red offense putting the ball on the ground, but I don't think we had had a punt yet at this point. Now, we ultimately did try a couple of fake punts. Dude, I love Brian Buscini. If you follow him on Twitter, he's a good dude. 
Uh, he just he's, he, he seems to be a good dude, good human being. I followed him a little bit at Montana before he transferred in. Great punter. Great punter. Um, my man's not going to shake a whole lot of people. He's not going to shake and bake a whole lot of people with his moves. So I like that we tried the fake punt. I like that we were aggressive. I like that we had some fun in the spring game. Brian, I love you. But if we do a fake punt in the fall, I want to see you. Can you throw the ball? Uh, can we do a shovel pass? Can the personal protector catch catch a direct uh, snap right to him? And he run maybe? I don't know. Do something a little bit different. I like that we tried it in the spring game. Okay, didn't work either time. That's okay. You got to try stuff. You know, throw stuff against the wall. See what fits sometimes. All right. Here's another note I had. And this was interesting to me because there was a spring where Callahan made us don knee braces as a D-line. I hated it with every fiber of my being. Now, it's the theory is you have offensive linemen wear them. Almost every team I've ever been on, the old linemen wear them. They don't have to move as much. They, they're, they're, their space of play is a little bit more limited and smaller, so they don't have to be quite as nimble and as agile. And a lot of times they get ran into by a back. They Somebody runs up on them from behind, and you're trying to avoid the, these knee injuries. So the one spring that we had to wear them as a D-line, I detested them. I hated them. D-linemen have to run farther. We have to be more explosive. I'm not disrespecting alignment. It just is what it is. I once had a lineman at the Rams, Adam Goldberg, look at me and go, I could teach my Labrador retriever to play D-line, see ball, get ball. He's not entirely wrong, uh, but I also looked at him and said, I could be an old lineman. I'd just be a statue and stand there. Ha ha. Just hit you with my hand. So it, it's a little bit of give and take, but my point is this. It was interesting. So at the end of the spring ball, our D-line coach looks at me and he goes, do you want to wear these things ever again? And I just gave him a death stare straight from the bowels of hell. And he goes, all right, consider them off, Adam. And we never had to wear them again. So thank God. Uh, but the offensive linemen are not wearing knee braces right now. So obviously there's a little bit more of a risk of injury, but even uh, Jeremiah Searles, who was calling the game, excuse me, calling the game mentioned, he said, it allows you to move freer. It allows you to be a more, little bit more nimble and agile. And I'm going to talk here in a little bit about three things that Matt Rule's really trying to get better at. And one of that is mobility. And as a team, we've got some athletes. But if one of the things the O-line struggled with last year was they didn't move well as a unit. Okay, you got big dudes, you got rec highly recruited dudes, but they didn't move well as a unit. So maybe Matt Rule's trying to think to himself, hey, take some of these knee braces off and maybe we can get a little bit better movement out of these guys and they can be a little bit quicker. They don't have to run long distances. But within the, the area that they're playing, they are going against guys who are trying to explode off the ball and play as fast as they can on the other side of the line of scrimmage, especially if you got a screaming blitzing linebacker like a Terrell Farley or someone like that. So I thought that that was interesting and mostly back to hearkening back to my one spring where I had to wear knee braces and I did not like it at all. All right, the attendance, if you're not aware, was over 66,000. And it's interesting to me, it, Husker Nation is truly awesome. Now, I think we'd rather win a few more games and talk about spring game attendance less, but the passion is still there. And I, I found some interesting stats about attendance in Nebraska over the past uh, 15, 20 years or so. By the way, random stat, uh, Alabama had 58,710 folks at their spring game. I think they're winning plenty of games, so I don't think they're complaining. But Nebraska's average spring game attendance since 2004, 67,848 uh, people in those those games since 2004. In 2018 and 19, we had 86,818, 85,946. Okay, we actually led all of college football in attendance 
in both 2018 and 19 at those spring games. Now, it did dip down a year ago in 2022 to 54,357. When you consider that a dip down, you got a lot of people coming out to support your team. And, you know, we'd like a few more wins, but the support has not gone away. So that that is awesome. And I just I thought those were cool stats. And I just wanted to share those real quick. Now, the defense did blitz a decent amount in the first half, but I couldn't help but notice. Okay, not as much maybe as you want to in a 3-3-5, but they're getting there. I already talked about that. Now, at the end of the first half, when the offense was trying to score, I couldn't help but notice all of a sudden they were showing blitz and then they were dropping eight. So that's one of the things that I do like about the 3-3-5. You can come from everywhere. You can show from one side, then drop blitz from another. You can show like you're blitzing, then all of a sudden drop into eight in, in certain situations like when an offense is trying to move the ball down the field right before the half and get some points. So that was just kind of a cool note that uh, stood out to me. The updated Herbie Husker. Got to address this real quick. He made his on-field debut. I've heard mostly positive feedback from fans. I would say 90% of the time it's been positive feedback. The one comment that did stick out to me, uh, I forget who said it, so I, I, I'd love to give credit, but it's, it escapes my memory. They said something about, oh, the new Herbie kind of looks like he ate some more Christmas cookies than the previous one, which... I didn't find completely inaccurate, uh, just kind of, I don't know, humorsome. But I actually do, uh, I do personally like the updated Herbie Husker. So you got to keep it fresh. You got to change things up every now and again. All right, halftime. Coach Solich is honored. Trev Albert spoke, had some very kind words, uh, gave Coach a plaque. It was very cool. And I call him Coach because he's the man who recruited me, him and George Darlington. Uh, he is the guy I committed to play for. He was the guy I played for for the first couple of years at Nebraska. So he'll always be Coach Solich to me. Now, if you think about his time at Nebraska, obviously a fullback, played here, okay? Then 19 years as Tom Osborne's assistant, then as a head coach. He had a record of 58 and 19 as a head coach. He was a two-time Big 12 Coach of the Year, 1999 conference, Big 12 Conference champion, and 1999 National Coach of the Year as well. Terry Keneally. All right, that image of him franking, uh, sacking Frank Costa at the end of the 95 Orange Bowl to essentially seal the victory, and he's standing up and he puts the finger in the air. That's what I always think of when I think of Terry Keneally from my childhood. Now, he announced that the new locker room and the new Husker facility is going to be named after Coach Solich. Coach had some great words, a great humble thank you speech, and you could tell he was truly touched by the fans. I thought that that was very, very cool. And uh, they brought Coach back, and they honored him in that way, and I thought that that was uh, pretty cool. Now, in the first half, just kind of and, – and most of my thoughts are from the first half. A lot of times the second half of a spring game, and they didn't have a running clock, and they, they ran it like a normal game. There wasn't a whole lot of points scored in the second half. I don't believe any, if I remember correctly. I believe it was 21-7 at halftime, and that was the final score, 21 white team, 7 red team. Uh, so most of these stats are from the first half because that's when things stood out to me. Uh, Jeff Sims played well. I thought he threw the ball well. I thought he did some things with his legs. If he's our starting quarterback in the fall, I feel like we're in good hands. If it's Casey Thompson, I feel like we're in good hands. I feel like we are going to have a very good starting quarterback. I mean, Casey started at Texas and then started here. Jeff started at Georgia Tech and is trying to earn the starting job here. When you're a quarterback who started at multiple universities and then you're fighting for a job here and you got two guys like that, that's pretty cool. And if somebody gets banged up, obviously we got a, a really good quarterback who can step in, whoever that will be. Wide receiver Billy Kemp stood out, made lots of catches, made lots of plays. The coaches have talked about him all spring. He is a guy to absolutely keep your eye on coming this fall. He's going to be a playmaker. All right.
we do need more wide receivers to step up, though. Uh, no, no other wide receiver stood out to me. And I'm not saying nobody else made plays, but he's the one that stood out to me. And I was trying to think of a second guy, and I didn't think of a second guy that stood out to me. All right, first half overall, and you could kind of say this for the whole game as well, the offense moved the ball well into the red zone. They got to execute in the red zone better. You want to get more touchdowns, less field goals, so to speak. Okay, secure the ball better. Better I addressed the fumbles earlier. Less field goals, less turnovers. I thought the offense overall looked good. You're always going to have things that you continue to work on uh, once spring ball is over, going into the summer, going into fall camp. Uh, I thought the defensive line held up well. Uh, the defense as a whole has got to gel a little bit more, but I think the 3-3-5 three, three, is going to be indicative to take a little bit more time to get to that point. Okay, that's just kind of how that defense works. Now, Matt Rule's three biggest areas that he wants to improve in. All right, I got about 90 seconds before we got a break, so I will cover as many as I can, as well as I can until the break, and then I will finish uh, the remaining rules after the break, or the remaining things that Matt Rule wants to improve on. The first thing, and I talked about this earlier, he wants to improve strength and mobility. No more getting pushed around up front. He wants to be a physical team. He wants to be a blue-collar, in-your-face, smash-mouth type of team. Any team that plans on using a fullback, that's got to be in the mindset, Okay. And I talked about the mobility. Again, the offensive line has struggled to move well in the past few years. Again, I think that's why they took the braces off. This is the first time since I left high school I've seen an offensive line without braces on. Well, if you're trying to get more movement out of your players, that's something you – better mobility, better movement out of the O-line. That's something you're obviously going to do with your strength and conditioning staff over the winter, over the summer, over the summer. But you can also do it by trying to take away those braces that I love so much when I had to wear them for a whole 15 practices. Okay, the next thing, you know what? I want to take my time. I want to do this the right way. So we're going to head into our final break. All right, and then I'm going to chat about the last couple of things that are Matt Rule's three biggest areas to improve on. All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <laughs> 